What is up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back to the kingdom. My name is Drums, joined as always by the brothers behind King Golf, Regan and Joran Headley. Starting things off in the first tee this evening is Reg. How you doing, buddy? Doing good, Drummy. Uh, a little chilly down in this basement. That uh, September weather's creeping up on us, and it's starting to get cold in the mornings and cold at night. We finished around last night at about 8.30, almost almost pitch black and freezing. So I'm afraid that time of year is upon us when we have to uh, golf during the day if we want to finish 18 holes. But it's okay. It's been a pretty good summer. It's brutal. Like we went from 35 degrees last week to 16 now. And it's not cold, but it feels cold right yeah. now. Yeah. And next on the tee, his brother, Joran. How's it going, buddy? Drums, you got a new mic, eh? Yeah, we'll test this one out, see how it goes. Hold her up. <laughs> uh, yeah, there you go. Sound better. Nice, nice. Things are things are good in Brandon. As Kenny Keeler said yesterday, it's officially quarter zip season. So, uh, yeah, you're right. Yesterday, we woke up in the morning and it was freezing. And last week, it was about 30 degrees out. So, I mean, it shouldn't be surprised. happens every year. It's kind of that time where you have to wear a fall jacket in the morning and then uh you're tanked off by three o'clock so um that's just how it is here and we've we've dealt with it for this long so we should be good uh we've got a lots going on tonight we got we're going to talk about some pga stuff which is kind of out of our usual realm a little bit uh we're going to get into some of our friends and followers questions and then we're going to do our usual second segment so um, what's going on with you, drums? Not much, man. Um, we had like Reg, I golfed yesterday too, and same thing. Like eight o'clock, it was getting pretty dark. Eight thirty, it was almost pitch black, and then it was cold kind of as sad. hell. Yeah, that's not good. But... No, and that was my first time golfing in a week again. Been slacking a bit. How come? I don't know. Too much. Too much going on. I got to throw in one quick plug here to uh, Gilbert Plains Golf Course. Uh, the greens are maybe in the last decade the best they've ever been right now. Jor can attest to that after the Kings Tournament. Um, they are super soft. You can absolutely zip them back, and they are super quick. Like, they are incredible right now. Nice. How was the tourney? It was a pretty good day. Yeah. It's always a pretty long day, but it, <laughs> we finally had some good weather for that tournament. And uh, I think we finished, what, like seven, seven under or something, Drew? Six, I think. Six, whatever it was. Yeah. Didn't even who'd know what we shot. So, Who'd you guys play with? Uh, your dad and who else? Moose. Mitch Moose. Oh, nice. Moosey. <laughs> I've, ne I've never seen greens like that before. And I don't know if. I wouldn't say I'm a huge fan of that, maybe just because I'm not used to that. It's, at Wheat City, it goes. 10 feet the other way instead of back. So I was kind of struggling to find the proper clubs during the day. It seemed like every club you'd hit, no matter if it was a pitching wedge or a six iron, it would spin back 10 feet or off the green. So, Oh, wow. Not Yeah, we're not used to that here. No. So it was kind of tough. But they are really nice and, and really fast and true. So, yeah, I would agree that uh, the Gilbert Plains crew deserves uh, – like 
did they change anything this year or do you think it's just been the weather patterns in the weather weather patterns for sure they kind of uh like i said earlier on in the year they were really cautious with them they had a couple of greens that were winter killed so they they took their time getting those back to normal i would say they're, they've probably been slower than usual most of the year but just in the last couple of weeks when there's tournaments on they've kind of uh ramped it up they got that roller now so they roll it and double cut them and then it gets uh it gets pretty damn quick. Yeah, it's it awesome. Was. Who does their ground screw out there? Donny Senek. He's from uh, Ethelbert. He's doesn't know much. He doesn't like the game of golf, but he knows a lot about how to keep a golf course. Oh, okay. So, yeah, he doesn't golf himself, but he uh, he's unreal maintaining the course. Yeah, I know, kind of but he's just well. I guess he just knows all the chemicals and what not to use, and and how to keep the grass growing the right way, right? So yeah. Nice. Yeah, I guess if he got into it for that purpose instead of because he loved the game of golf, I think it's probably a little bit different. Because mm-hmm. there's a few other guys out there that are pretty good at it too, right? Like there's a whole yeah. crew there. Yeah. You said last week that you would hire Horn. Ryan Horn is your uh, guy, so he must be doing some right out there. He's not out there anymore. He's in Winnipeg. Oh, yeah. I knew but that. He, was, he was unbelievable when he was out there. Like just the the details that he picks up on that the naked eye would never see. And he's out there golfing and he's shooting 61 and he's putting red stakes back in place and he's figuring out what they have to do the next day. It's just, he's got such a course knowledge. That guy's like a, a yeah. golf wizard, man. But Yeah, he is. So with the, uh, with the weather turning and stuff now, we got a few big PGA events coming up. So like I said, this isn't um, a really PGA focused podcast like a few of them are out there but we kind of want to touch on a few things uh that we've noticed lately or throughout the year they're just getting into their final segment of the playoffs now for the fedex cup and then there's a couple of majors the u.s open and then the masters is going to be crazy in in november um it's, yeah it's it's very exciting actually to me that the masters is going to be there in november it's, it's i'm guessing the first time it's ever been any time other than the first week of april Yes, it's always on Rob's birthday. Yep. And uh, so, yeah, we just kind of wanted to get into a few different stories and stuff that we've noticed over the last little bit. And uh, Rigo kind of had one that I guess we should start with Mackenzie Hughes probably today. Yes, definitely. Give it up to our boy. Unbelievable. So he had a – what did he call it? A greasy something – sneaky or something was it a five footer downhill yeah at the part of the last wall to get into the tour championship so yeah it was, i was i was nervous watching that i can't imagine how that putt would have felt to be stroking that because he's not he's one of those guys that's kind of been around for a little while but he's never really uh secured himself i guess you could say on the tour mm-hmm. so that just it's puts a lot more pressure on the guy and what like what did you guys think when you were watching it uh, just crazy nerves. Like, and honestly, I'll say at the time, um, I, I guess I didn't really realize how significant it was to get into the tour championship. Like until I saw this thing on Twitter and I don't like, it's unbelievable, but we always, we, we said on one episode that what would you rather have? Like, uh, you got to hit a fairway or hit a green or make that six foot putt or 10 foot putt, whatever we said for a million dollars. Like, basically, that putt that he made on 18 
secured him at least $395,000 because that's what 30th place in this tournament gets. And that, like, that is incredible, man. Like, I don't know. That's crazy to me. Yeah, given how much it was, like, actually worth that putt, like you said, three hundred grand, and the fact that these guys haven't had a full season, like, sure, they're making tons of money, but it's, like, they're still missing out on, like, half of their paychecks from, like, I mean, everybody spends to what they make, right? So yeah. people still need to make money at whatever capacity it is. So just to guarantee yourself even that much money is, like, on a four-foot putt, that's, like, that's – like I was nervous as hell just watching it. Yeah, it was crazy. So they're four hundred grand. I'm guessing that would be U.S. So that's what six hundred thousand mm. Canadian. Two million. And that's kind of like that's a minimum of what he gets because he gets that's exemptions. Dead last. Yeah, that's dead last, and that plus he gets exemptions into every major next year and a whole bunch of other stuff that goes along with that. Right. So yeah. then you're talking stuff on top of that, and. Yeah, it's it's just it's in, it's incredible how much money is available next week. Like the winner gets fifteen mil. So basically, I saw a tweet the other day that said the winner of the FedEx Cup will be sitting at one hundred twenty eighth place in the all time career money list. So basically, just from that whoever one wins just from yeah, one, tournament. one tournament, yeah. So whoever wins on sunday or i guess it's monday finish this week right yeah we'll make more than marco mira <laughs> and greg norman through their whole entire career with one it's tournament crazy. that's bananas when did this happen on like i i know that what do you mean when like as soon as tiger came that's tiger. when money went absolutely no but i just mean roof. like it's never been like this it was all from him 400 grand yeah, for last place in the tournament? Every golfer well, that's you gotta, a millionaire. You've got to earn your way there, though. No, I know, but it's still so crazy. Yeah, I don't know. It's, I, it's, it's I think that when did the FedEx Cup start? Like 10, 12 years ago? Yeah. 2007. So I think the problem in 2007 was they'd have all these majors, like Masters first, and then the U.S. Open in June, and then the British Open in july pga championship was in august i think and then it just kind of fizzled out until january right right and the pga championship i would say subjectively is the kind of the shittiest major of them all all right yeah yeah i agree so it just was kind of like peak at the start the masters and then it just slowly kind of went downhill whereas now it's kind of going especially this year like it's the, the playoffs will be done and then there's the U.S. Open and the Masters and I don't think they'll do that every year but I think that was the point of the huge payouts and kind of make it worth something to guys, right? Yeah, and then with that, like everybody's getting on board this year trying to make money whatever they can so sponsorships will be through the roof and everything like that yeah. too. And they said there's six majors in the next calendar year like <laughs> starting like in this 2020-21 season. Like that's awesome. And probably a Ryder Cup, no? Or is Presidents uh, next year? Presidents, I think. I think they're taking a year off the Ryder Cup or two years, I guess. Mm. Man, I forgot we were on video. I had a half a glass of wine here, and I am like, <laughs> I don't know what is happening, You're but breaking it's out in like hives. crawling all the way up my body. So I, I don't know is. what's happening over here. Yeah, I don't know. My <laughs> cheeks are red, too. So I might have to uh, withdraw you, from the podcast. Did you get poisoned? Am I dead? 
It'll be okay. Well, boy, anyway. we're still alive here, boys. So another thing to mention too about the Tour Championship, like we're talking about Hughes's five footer. What about like I didn't even get to watch it. I I was stuck at Easton's house and tracking on my phone, and all of a sudden I see DJ rolls in this forty footer, and then Rom rolls in a sixty five footer. Like what the hell happened? The best thing I saw was was a tweet that said, "Could you imagine how loud it would be in the past twenty minutes if there were actually fans here?" Yeah, like, that was it, the loudest I've heard it since well this whole thing started was and there was nobody it there. was loud there was nobody there was a few people like the spectators and the media and stuff but it was right. loud yeah like when DJs went in yeah yeah but then like you have to th- you have to take a step back and think like yeah DJ's putt was a lot more impressive all things considered it was to get into a playoff with Rom but you also have to think about what DJ has already accomplished and how he's kind of like no matter what happens from here, he's probably going to be okay. Whereas if you got a five foot slider like Hughes had for yeah, your career. So. Yeah. Yeah. And they, they were talking to Mackenzie Hughes after, and he said, they said, what were you thinking about when you hit the putt? Which is what kind of what this whole podcast has been about, like the mental side of things. And he said, he did, he didn't want to make it more than it was. It was a putt and it was a five foot putt and he's made, thousands of those in his career you kind of go back to your practice and that's what you have to you know what i mean like that's what you have to think about when you're in those situations Mm -hmm. instead of what's on the line and making it more than it is Mm -hmm. simplify it in your mind as much as possible i uh just on that hughes too um i follow that monday qualify monday q info on twitter yeah probably i i would say he's my favorite follow just all the stories and Mackenzie hughes so i he talked about Hughes and like he was on the Canadian tour in uh, 2015 and he, he fell all the way to 1399th in the world rankings. And I think he was really struggling. He kind of came up a little bit and had some good years and then dropped all the way down to the Canadian tour. And now like with that, like he's the top ranked Canadian and he's 65th in the world. Like the guy's making a name for himself right now. And it's, it's impressive really. Yeah. What, what he's, what he's been able to do in five years. Yeah, it's it's insane. There's a few other Canadians that almost cut on there, but mm-hmm. we'll get back to I guess DJ and Rom. Those both both those pots were just insane. Like you had to hit it basically to the perfect spot of that hill that kind of went downhill, and then it actually went right the other and way, then back left or yeah. one or the other. You know, so just yeah, crazy. It's insane. But uh, yeah, I don't know that that whole tournament. I guess was crazy. I wish I could have watched it, but. Save it for the majors. Um, yeah. On that Monday qualifier note, um, he tweeted out the other day, there was uh, Tony Finau, Mackenzie Hughes, uh, Lanto Griffin, and the guy that I'm going to focus on with my, uh, it's just a super cool story, uh, Brendan Todd. I don't know if you guys know anything about him. I didn't until uh, my guy Monday Q Info uh, tweeted it out. But So I did some research. Uh, in 2009, uh, he was, he was an up and comer kind of just sneaking onto the tour. Uh, he actually developed the full swing yips and in 2009, he missed 10 straight cuts and he dropped down to the nationwide tour where in 2010, he missed 13 for 13 cuts, which he had the full swing yips and just completely fell off the face of the earth. 
like that's 23 straight cuts missed. Um, he, he said that he, uh, well, he had the full swing hips. He, he stood up to the ball and he was scared to hit it. But his short game, I guess, all the way throughout was like, I mean, top in the world, like 150. And they, they still say today he's one of the, the best golfers in the world, 150 in. But so he went through the full swing yips. Uh, in 2014, he kind of made a comeback and he actually beat uh, Weirzy by two strokes at the Byron Elston. So when he got the two-year exemption from beating Weir, and I, I guess there's a cool story where he hit a shot. He was up against a tree, and he flipped his club upside down like, and hit it with the back of his club and hit it to like seven feet to save par and then went on to win the tournament by two shots. Mm. So he got a, a two-year exemption. and uh, in the, So that was in 2014. And then the fall of 2015, he developed the full swing yips again. What? Jeez. Like this is after he won on the PGA Tour. And he got okay, the yips again. Just, just pause for a second here. How how would you get that? Well, I, I don't know. I guess like, like I feel like I've had it before, but is it just all nerves and pressure? Yeah, it's got to well, be a nerves mental... pressure. Not having a swing, you're trying to change stuff. You're trying to figure stuff out. You, Jor, I went through the same shit, but on a different scale, I guess. I was like topping tee shots for three years. Yeah, it's, like Charles... it's, it's a crazy thing. You're scared to swing. It's like Charles Barkley. Like he knows what to do, but he just can't get his body to do it. Right. Yeah. So this guy in 20, 2015, in the fall of twenty fifteen, he got the Ipsy in, and he said he like there's quotes, and it's an article in, in Golf Digest. Um, it's fascinating, but it's by Shane Ryan in the Golf Digest. And so in twenty sixteen, he could feel it like his career diminishing again. He's losing his PGA card, and he's stressed out like he's on the decline and everything's just coming to an end like it's it's crazy actually so in the last year which was 2016 his full exemption he missed 20 of 21 cuts uh eight of nine cuts in 2017 and six of six in 2018 and then he met up with uh a guy that he played with in college a college teammate and he he recommended him to a guy named bradley hughes who was a former PGA player. So, I mean, obviously this guy's thinking at this time, like I'll basically try anything and or he got him hooked. Hey, or quit. Yeah. He said, like, how do you keep going after that? Good he God. said, and there was a part in the, in the article where it said that he thought like he had two thoughts. One, I've been here before and I've got over it before. Yeah. And I guess two, so. and two, I knew how hard it was to get back where, where I was before so is it worth going through it all over? yeah yeah which is crazy i mean we all we've all been there i almost switched to right-handed like i just wanted to quit golf and or try something else so anyways this guy is resilient and he, he finds an ebook called the great ball strikers by this bradley hughes and he's just intrigued by this book so he he meets up with this guy and they i guess they really hit it off and he starts kind of getting lessons from this guy and uh, so in in 2018, uh, he went to Q school and he actually shot, he started off bad. And it's the same thing that uh, Cockrell said, like you kind of get loose and just think you can go out and make a bunch of birdies. So this guy shot a 63 in his last round of Q school. And he said something just clicked at that time. So then I guess on the PGA, and it's, I'd, 
I'm going to start doing more research on the PGA, just how sponsorship exemptions work and if you win, how you get exempt in the future. Because in in uh, 2019, he was playing like in his sponsorship exemptions and because he was a past champ at the Byron Nelson, like I said, he was able to play in certain tournaments. And he got a couple uh, tie 18 finishes on, on the PGA, which gave him full exemption on the Corn Ferry. And then he actually came out in the Bermuda Championship in the final round and buried nine of his first 11 holes to take the lead. And he won by four. And then he won another tournament on the PGA, like the Myokoba. So he's won two tournaments in the last calendar year. Nice. And he's he's in the Tour Championship now, and he's ranked number 11 going into the Tour Championship. Oh, wow. I don't know. Brendan Todd. So how old is he? Do you know? 35, I think. Oh, yeah. Sorry. We still got hope drums. In 2018, (laughs) 2018, he moved below 2,000 in the official golf world rankings. Like, well, yeah, it sounded like he made, he missed 35 out of 36 cuts in four (laughs) years there. Like, he's not that that high. I was more surprised that this story's not more well known. Yeah, no kidding. Well, they were talking about it on the on the PGA the other day. I think that they were talking about how all the guys love him and they just like uh, talk him up every time they see him and stuff like that. So he must be really? pretty well liked on the tour. He's, yeah, he's pretty. Uh, just uh, in the article I talked, he kind of reminded me of you. Like he he's very golf focused, and he, like if he focused on something, he wanted to get that done. And like he's like all about like collectibles, like sports cards and stuff like that. I don't know. You'll have like to read the article. It's, it's pretty impressive. And I want to I want to get into that uh, Bradley Hughes ebook, that great ball striker. I'd like yeah. to uh, I'd like to have a peek at that. So peek away, buddy. Let us know how she owes. You can might do, have been uh, long. What's her? Might have been what? Long might have been long winded, but it's pretty. Uh, oh no, no, no. That's pretty cool story. I thought that almost even like takes me into the one I was going to talk about was uh, Jordan Spieth. And how he's fallen off the face of the earth. Yeah. He made nine top 10 finishes in 2018 and 2019 combined. Nine, nine top 10s? Total. Oh. Yeah, that's tough. And only three this year. Like, remember when he was like he, it? He like, was dominant. He was it. Yeah, he like, was it. He was murdering the, the They were talking the about him breaking field. Tigers records. Yeah. And now he's 69th in the world. And that was it's only hard like to pinpoint, uh, five years ago. Yeah, it's hard to pinpoint one thing on one situation, but it's pretty hard not to look by that master blow up. Hey, that one shot oh on God, 16. On 12, 12. Or 12, yeah. Because 12. Yeah. that's kind of where – I mean, he had a few decent things after that, but that's – that was yeah. the end of the road. And it's completely crippled he, him. Like, it's crazy. I think he won the British Open after that, but that was like, I mean, mm-hmm. whatever. You would expect him to do a lot more. Right. If someone said, remember, like, when he was in the middle of his, his hot streak, if someone said to you, in 2020, in the last calendar year, Tiger Woods has won one major and Jordan Spieth has won any. Yeah. Because when he was in his heyday, Tiger was getting approved by the doctor to chip. Yeah. Yeah. And now, like, I don't know. It's yeah, golf's funny like that, I guess, man. 
Spieth might have the yips in some way, shape, or form. I don't know. Something's going on. It's nuts. It really I haven't is. been watching him too close, like to see what's going on. Like, is it his putting or is it his driving iron play? Like, what's yeah, I going haven't, on? I haven't really been paying attention to him, like on the telecast to like watch him much. Like every now and then they'll just mention like how he's kind of been on this cold streak, but I've never. I guess they don't show people that are at the bottom yeah. of the leaderboard, anyways. But Unless I haven't really team. seen exactly what's wrong. One thing about that, I will say that it just reminded me when you said that, or if it's his putting or if it's whatever. I think like the stats on when he was on his hot streak. I think if you look like into detail of the of the putting stats, like he was putting like out of this world, like from between yeah, twenty was. and thirty feet. Yeah, he was so, making yeah. long. Was it just a hot streak with his putter? Like, was he ever yeah. that good of a ball striker? I don't. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, his putter cooled down, and now it's just nothing's mm-hmm. dropping. I don't know. It's interesting. Yeah, it is. It's weird. The putter's definitely a lot more historically known to be an issue from tournament to tournament. As like, because you've heard of the putting yips all the time. Like right. a lot mm-hmm. of people have had them before. You don't hear many people having full swing yips. So it, yeah, it could have just been something that uh, he was hot because putting's so mental. And then he just kind of cooled down. But that would be a long time to be hot on the tour because he had a lot of good years there for a while. Like it was mm-hmm. two years that he was absolutely dominating. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That, uh, yeah, that's tough. Tough to see. Mm-hmm. They said that it used to be, uh, Spieth's buddy, Justin Thomas. Where did you say this last week, Henry, or something? It used to be. I think uh, it was on Twitter, yeah. Justin Thomas was known as uh, Jordan Spieth's buddy, but now it's the other way around. It's Spieth is known as Justin Thomas's buddy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, one thing that I wanted to quickly touch on, and I don't know how detailed we want to get into this, but it was it was pretty cool to me, and it's something that I've kind of picked up on over the last few years. And this might be uh, a tip for some gamblers out there, but. Brayson was talking to an interviewer. He's doing an interview or something. And uh, he said that he's looked into this in detail. And the win rate, <laughs> the win rate for new dads is astronomically high. That's such a weird stat to go looking for. It is, but yeah. it's something that it, I mean, you think about once you start playing for somebody more than yourself, what kind of impact that has on your game. But like I said, uh, Nick Taylor did it this year. I think he had a very newborn um, and he won wherever that was. And then, uh, so Rory's having a kid, or Rory's not, his wife is uh, this weekend. And there's a chance that he might be not be playing in the tour championship because of that. So something that I found fascinating is, is that fa- that uh, stat and another thing would be, this might be weird to say, but when somebody loses a loved one, like passes away or something, I think that the win rate after that would be pretty high as well. There's no official stats on these, but might have to tweet and then see if there's any stats on that one. Yeah. But have you guys noticed over the years that that's the case, especially with someone passing away and then they have their career around or they win a tournament right after that? Your your audio did some crazy stuff there. 
kind of went digital for a second, but yeah, I, I agree with that, but uh, just from what I can gather from it, um, <laughs> I think that also, like, if you have a kid, you realize that, like, kind of what you're doing is just a game and there's more to life, maybe, I don't know, like, and it makes you worry less about the actual golf itself, and you kind of just quote and do what you're so good at to begin with. Yeah. Instead yeah, th- of worrying about everything. I think maybe the joy of having a kid just brings out the joy of the game in you too, maybe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you just remember it's just a game and whatever comes with it, I guess. So mm-hmm. yeah, who yeah. knows? It's one of those things. And I probably noticed it over the years too, is like it, once you start thinking in terms of it doesn't really matter, especially for us, like, I mean, we're not making a living off it, but right you realize out there that no matter what happens this round, like I have so much to be, to be thankful for and to be grateful for. For sure. And I'm sure, I'm sure once you have a kid there that's yours and it takes it to a whole different level of that. Mm-hmm. So that was cool. So if, if you got any, uh, if you got any money to throw on uh, Rory this weekend, maybe do that. Yeah. His wife <laughs> pops in the next day or two. Or, or, Throw some money on my boy Toddy. Who knows what's going to happen with the Tour Championship? But don't bet on speed. Yeah, that's probably a good bet. <laughs> he's, he's probably not, not even in it. Yeah. No, he's not in. It. Not a chance. I don't even think he made last week. <laughs> the cut? No, I don't think so either. No, I don't think he made the tournament. No, I don't think he did. Poor bastard. Poor I like budget. him. Yeah, let's get into the the friends of King golf kingdom podcast here. Some questions we got today. Once again, I think that uh, this is something we'll keep doing because we're getting a lot of good uh, questions from people and it, and it helps uh, fill some time on these podcasts. And uh, we'll start with a guy, uh, Kyle McLeod. So we had a few questions kind of about the equipment uh, part of the game. And his question was uh, if money was no object, and you could pick any set of clubs, new or older, to put in your bag today, what would it be? Full set. Drums, you got an answer for us? Regal looks like he does. Oh, shaking his head. Go ahead, Jeremy. I don't even know. I have to look up what the hell those ones are called. Come on. I would for sure have had this question. No. I, I would for sure have the uh, the sim driver driver and three wood just from I, obviously I can't afford them but um, money's no object here yeah I know but in real life like I can't afford them but the guys who have them like they're apparently incredible so I I, I would have the sim driver and three wood honestly in terms of sheer looks I, I don't really care about anything else. I would have my irons that I have right now in a perfect world. I really would. I I just love the look of them, and that's all I really care about. So for those of you that don't know, they're the uh, King uh, Muscle Back Cavity Back Combo. Uh, They're blacked out with black shafts, and they're pretty good-looking club. And then I'd have three Volky wedges, which I have, and... (laughs) A spider putter, which I have. So, I mean, I oh, probably have. What a nice life. You know what? Actually, I'm going to say the entire set that I have right now. I'm going to say the Cobra Blacked Out Driver, too. Um, that's it. 
clubs. Final answer. I'm going to go with the exact clubs I have. Okay. Well, maybe that's why you uh, shoot in the 60s. Yeah. <laughs> uh, for irons, I'm going to go with uh, my current ones now, too. Um, they're just tailor-made rocket boys, but I, I love hitting them. They're like I've never hit my irons better than I have in the past year and a half or two years with them. Um, my favorite driver I ever had was a Titleist 938K, I think. I had uh, one of Bobby Brandon's old ones, so it was cut down a little bit. So it, um, it was like the perfect height when I was like 16. So I hit, like I always hit it really good. So that's probably my favorite driver that I could have ever had. Uh, wedges, Vokey Wedges, uh, or no, Vokey 60. My 56 Hogan that I've had for 20 years. Uh, putter, my favorite all-time putter that I had was the Pink Crazy. Remember those goofy-looking things? Was that the big sucker? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I do remember that. Yeah. I did you, that did you buy it from Aggie or no? No. No. Aggie. <laughs> but that'd be, that'd be my bag, I think, just with classics mixed in there. Mine would be, I'll start with the driver. Uh, I would keep my driver because it's the the best I've hit my driver in about 10 years with this club. It's a M3 or 4 or something. I don't even know why. No, I, like I it, think but... it's M6. Is it? M6, I guess. I'm pretty sure it's not. But Rigo Isn't that the knows. twist face? Yeah. Yeah, that's M6. Discussion for another time. <laughs> but, uh, I'll tell you one thing. I could, you could give me any fairway woods in the world right now, and I would probably be happy with them. Uh, my current ones are an R9 and an R13 with different shafts in them, so that's not helping my game too much. Um, so I'd take probably the M4 in fairway woods. Uh, I think I would go with the irons. I think I'd like to try those uh, tailor-made PWs, those $4,000 clubs if money's no object. I'd probably hit them like shit, but. Uh, I'd like to give them a go and uh, or try the standard length like we talked about last week with, with Bryson's clubs. And then for wedges, Vokies for sure. And for putter, you, uh, if you find one, let me know, please. <laughs> I, you got to get off the blades, man. Look at all the winners hey, on I, tour except I, for Tiger. I trained some bombs on Saturday, bud, with that blade. Yeah, but you're just hung up on Tiger. You, Tiger's the only one that still uses a blade. If I, I think I might get a new one this winter, and it's going to be that. Um, I think it's a Scotty Cameron Phantom, Phantom X. It's like a black and lime green kind of bigger head putter. I'm going to try that out. I think. I would change one thing up on my set too. Uh, too late. No, I would black out my putter <laughs> instead. Of, instead of it being red, I would black it out. Okay, that's fair. That's doable. Second part of the question, we've already kind of answered this ourselves, but what's the what's everyone's favorite club that you do have in your bag right now? My driver. Mine King Cobra F7 Plus, blacked out. M4, no certain specifics. It's M6. <laughs> uh, mine's my 56 wedge, my classic. Colonial. Yep. Nice. Mine changed from the start of the podcast. Mine was also my wedge. Now mine's my M4. 
<laughs> no no specifics. No saying M4 anymore. <laughs> I'm done. Okay, you guys keep going. I'm going to go get it. Okay. God, I hope it's an M6. So the next question we had uh, came from our boy Rubes, and it was, uh, where's everybody's favorite? Or no, sorry. Uh, what's the best spots for a golf getaway, specifically for bachelor parties? So I think we covered this. Hey, like Brainerd's obviously at the top of everybody's uh, list. Yeah, definitely. I think we've touched on this maybe before. So I think that's going to be a unanimous decision on Brainerd. Perfect it's M4, place. isn't it? First of all, before looking at it, Shit. check out the head covers there. Pretty nice. The Frank, Tiger Frank. Nike, if you're seeing this, don't sue me. He's happy, so it's the M4 for sure. And that's an M4, a little dirty, but there she is. I can't really see it. <sighs> Boom, baby. That's only that's only the third time in 2020 I've been wrong. Yeah. Oh, sorry. This uh, what, week. This week. what was the question here? Did you answer it already? Yeah, it was from Rubes. Uh, What's the best sports or golf or what Jesus? What's the best spots for a golf getaway, specifically for a bachelor party? And we just said, yeah, we've touched touched on this a couple times now. Uh Brainerd's obviously the spot to go. Saskatoon's pretty good time too. Saskatoon? Saskatoon is awesome. And they have a sick golf course there, Dakota Dunes. If you guys ever get a chance to play there, try that. And and, and we also half mentioned the distance the... too. We also mentioned the East Coast, but yeah. I'd like to I've never uh, been yeah. here for a bachelor party. Oh, yeah. I'm guessing Phoenix would be pretty sick too for a bachelor party. I've never done that either, but there's a ton of courses within a very short radius there. Well, Stiegs, Stiegs did it for his, and he's not a big golf guy, and neither were most of the guys there. Mm-hmm. And they went to the waste management yeah. and absolutely loved it. So, yeah, yeah, that'd probably be a perfect spot as the waste management. Mm hmm. I think it would. I mean, you can't really go wrong if you're going somewhere with eight guys to golf. Yeah, you could go west in a car. It kind of depends if you're on on the highway or in the sky. But right now, it seems like we're kind of limited to on the highway. So, yeah, Brainerd, Saskatoon. I would really like to go to Kananaskis too. That area. I know that there's a few guys have been out there Uh, because that's about a ten, twelve hour drive, and there's probably a few things to do there as well. So. Definitely. Um, what do we got next here? Uh, the next one comes from Bizman22. Uh, and he says, uh, what are your thoughts on free lift if it lands in a fairway divot? Agree I guess or disagree? It, uh, that, I guess it depends page, where you're uh, Yeah. In a tournament or a men's night, you mean, or what? Yeah. Were you going to say that Paige Spiernax or whatever? Yeah. She tweeted that, that they should get a free left out of there, and I absolutely agree. 100%. Why would they have to hit it out of there? So that kind of goes back to one of the questions we had earlier in this season of the pod, which was if you could change one rule, what would it be? And I'm sure a lot of guys on tour would probably say that. It makes no sense. All those guys are hitting pretty similar distances, pretty similar spots. And they're expected to just ma- magically find some grass and try to hit out of that. Yeah. You should never be punished in golf for hitting good shots. Nope. I agree with that. So I think we're pretty good. unanimous on that. Good. Do you guys have anything else to add? No, not really. No. Pretty unanimous on that one, yeah. 
Good question, Bizman. Bizman. Bizman 22. Uh, I think he's from Minnedosa. And uh, the last question here we got uh, from Bryce Watson. He asked, uh, what's more enjoyable, drivable par four or a par five that's reachable in two? Rigo. I mean, I'm going to say drivable par four. I I just love it. I love just stepping up to the tee and like, and I love it for match play too and stuff like that. When somebody that maybe doesn't hit it as long and they just auto grab an iron and play to like a safe spot. And I just, I, I, I don't know if I've laid up on a par four in like five years, like a drivable one. And it probably cost me a lot more shots than it gains me, but I just, I just love the rush of going for it. I think if you can get yeah. to the green, you have to go for it. We should also mention, uh, I don't know if you guys are golf the price or not, but he hits it pretty far. So I think that his drivable par fours would be a little different than uh, maybe me and drums. But uh, yeah, he's a big bomber. He's a good golfer. Um, I would I would probably say the same. I'd say drivable par four. I don't usually get too turned on by par fives other than it's a good chance to make birdie. But as soon as you start thinking about that, then it turns pretty quickly into a bogey. Just look at my Tamrack scores. 405, Clear Lake, bogey, bogey. I'll go par five just because there's not many par fours that I can actually drive. So it gives me a better shot on a par five. Which is fair you know because it's not. The question should maybe be, and I shouldn't change people's questions, obviously, but for some of the shorter hitters, it should maybe be one that's a short par four. Like it doesn't necessarily have to be drivable, but there's, and that's kind of the reason why I love Oak Island actually is because there's quite a few holes where if you're hitting your driver well, you can get pretty close to some of those greens. I don't think any of them are really drivable outside of maybe number three on a good day. Yeah, true. But there's a lot of holes there that if you can cut corners and stuff and, and you're hitting it well, you can put yourself into a lot of uh, birdie opportunities. So That's why I like Poplar too. Same type of deal. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. All right. Well, once again, I would say. Oh, thanks sorry. To, uh, there's there's yeah, one ahead, more question. It was uh, Terry Riley reached out to us on uh, Twitter. Oh, right. Terry's yeah. the uh, head pro at Niaqua. We mentioned before that he uh, golfs at Rossman the odd time, and uh, Joe responded to him. He 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 asked what the lowest score we've had at Rossman was, and Joe, you asked him what his was, and he said thirty-one. Yeah. So it's a it's a par thirty-four, so three under. What's yours, Jor? I think it's 33, which was this year. It's either 32 or 33. I've never been lower than that. You? I had a wild round there one night. I shot 29. Ooh. That's in nine. And then my lowest on 18 is 63. So it'd be five under. Both would be five under. That'll do. Yeah, the one was pretty crazy. It just seemed like everything... If you if you can get it going to that course, you can make a ton of worries. Yeah, cool. but there's some hard holes. Oh, you have to hit nine good shots, basically. Yeah, tee. yeah, yeah. It's it's de- I played a lot of rounds there, and uh, it's definitely not one that you're shooting 34 at every round. That's for sure. No. Lots of trouble and lots of I don't, yeah. Without too 
I I wish that more people would get out to Rossman and play, but maybe we mm-hmm. should do our uh, King Golf get together there someday. Maybe we'll do it this fall. Who knows? Yeah, be sweet. I haven't golfed it like not at the shit show in. I was probably twelve the last time I golfed there. Yeah, I was thinking that would be your answer because you know, all you play is scramble, really. There. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for that question, Terry. Bring Rossman back into things. Yeah, I haven't seen him out there this year. He said he hasn't uh, hasn't been out. Maybe in a few years, I haven't seen him. So, okay. Well, we'll get into part two here after our segment called Shoutouts, which is a brand new one that we just made up here. So we got to give a shout out to our good friend, uh, Ripper, uh, Ryan Pollock. He's in uh, game six tomorrow night. And he's in Toronto right now, soon to be Edmonton, hopefully. So he's he's been listening to the podcast. So we just thought we'd give him uh, a quick shout out and a, and a big good luck for tomorrow night and for the rest of the series and season, hopefully, for him. So thoughts? Guy's obviously ripping it up in playoffs right now. Um, playing huge minutes, uh, just a pain in the ass to play against. Shutting down all the other team's top guys. Uh, he's he's really doing it right now, making us proud. Yeah, every time I look, he's on the ice and doing good. So awesome to see. Keep it up, Ripper. And he's uh, taking care of Rigo's favorite team too, which is the best part about it. So. <laughs> And he sure lets me know about it. <laughs> hey, well, let's get into tonight's free ad. Man, it feels like every time we're doing this the day of, I have so many things to say, and then I just forget about it. So uh, tonight's free ad is brought to you by Bob is B&B, which is our uh, awesome Auntie Kim. She's out in uh, Pincher Creek. I believe it's Alberta, right? Yeah, Pincher Creek, Alberta. She has a little bed and breakfast out there that she just uh, started last year. So with COVID and stuff, uh, lots of people are sticking inside of the border in Canada. So if you have any time uh, this summer, next summer, or the winter, uh, check it out. Mom and dad were there a couple months ago, and they loved it there. There's tons of tons of scenery out there, some mountains, and a whole bunch of stuff to do. And uh, it's called B- Baba's B&B. You can find her on Facebook. And it's called Baba's B&B because she has all of Grandma, which is our Baba, Ukrainian Baba, uh, her recipes and stuff. So that's what she cooks uh, in-house for the guests there. So nice. that's our Auntie Kim, Baba's B&B. Uh, check her out. Let's get into part two, babies. Who's going first? I got a long one, so why don't you guys go first? Here's some culture, baby. Uh, mine will be pretty quick. Um, my recommendation this week is a show on Netflix uh, called yes. Cobra Kai. It is uh, it's basically a spinoff of the old Karate Kid, so not the the shitty Jaden Smith one, but like the the one from the eighties. And actually, like stars the main guys from the the old movie, uh, and it it kind of centers around the the bad guy in the movie is the main guy in the TV show now. Um, so it's like him as a 45 year old midlife crisis guy and uh, opening a dojo and, and teaching karate. Uh, so it's a, I don't know, just a fun kind of nostalgic show for anybody that was a fan of 
the Karate Kid movies growing up. Uh, it's on Netflix now. It started on YouTube Red, so I, I had seen it. I think it started in two years ago, so I had seen it before, but I just started rewatching them, and it's uh, it's a pretty good show. Just a fun – it's not going to win any awards, but it's just kind of a, a fun pastime show. I, I, I give a big yes after uh, you finished saying that it was on Netflix because – that's that's the only uh, streaming site that I have. So all your other ones, except for uh, Dark, I've been able to watch. Um, yeah, I think all the other ones were like on Amazon or something too. Yeah, which I paid for for a year, but never did use it, so I can't use it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I I think that uh, Drums's segment is gonna pass ratings of Reggie Strokesaver here in the next uh, few months when people can't golf anymore. Yeah, true. And they're yeah, that's gonna be right. stuck inside watching shows, so. Drums, you better find some uh, some good ones coming up here because people are going to be hev- heavily reliant on them. It's tough to get into stuff right now with all, everything else that's I know. on TV. Yeah, are and you, just wanted to be outside too. Yeah. Are you watching Big Brother? Yep. Yeah. I'm not a fan. Never I have. can't get. I never have. I can't get past the people in them now. Uh, my least favorite part about Big Brother right now, for sure, is the fact that uh, all the house guests were tested negative for COVID-19, stuck in a house with only people who have tested negative for COVID-19. And before they leave, they have to wear a mask to leave the house. And the host, Julie Chen, is not wearing a mask. So And 10 feet away from her. And, and does, 10 feet away. And they do the interview with the mask on. It's a shit show. Yeah. Hey, let's not get into the mask talk. <laughs> Save we have for to slip it podcast. in. I, can slip. Yeah. I will say one thing, and I'm, I'm pretty pissed off about it with all this COVID stuff, is uh, tomorrow's the ultrasound for the baby, and I can't go to it because of this horse shit. That's tough. For those who can't see, we're showing sympathy and nodding heads for drums. Who, uh, <laughs> I guess we'll take this uh, chance to congratulate for drums. Uh, him and his girl Alyssa are expecting a kid in January 24th. January 24th. It's coming up, man. It's coming Jeez. up so fast. Daddy drums. Oh, yeah. oh. <laughs> so if drums is playing any golf tournaments on uh, in late February? January, make yeah. sure you bet on him because he's going to be <laughs> dialed. <laughs> we'll have to get a Speaking virtual drums. We can hang into. Speaking uh, of golf tournaments, I'll get into my uh, stroke saber. I, uh, I've kind of been battling for last week, um, not really knowing what I was going to talk about, but it took a round last night in which I started at Gilbert. It was windy as hell. Um, I started double, double, double. And so I was six over through three and seven over through five. And I got to number five and I, I always forget to do it. I, I know to do it, but I always forget. I obviously forgot at the Tamarack for two days, but uh, my stroke saver today is if you get off to a start like that, you, it's a, it's such a mental game that if you just convince yourself that those first, say, yesterday's was five holes are a totally different round and you start fresh on the, on the six tee box and you challenge yourself to shoot a score from there on in, it helps so much. Instead of just absolutely exploding, you, you set a goal. And obviously you're not going to get back to par if you're seven over through five holes, but you got to be realistic with your, with your goal that you set. So yesterday I uh, set my goal just to, just to shoot par. It was pretty tough conditions. I, I set the goal to shoot par on the, 
I guess it would be the last 13 holes. And I actually birdied 17 and made a pretty sick par in 18 to shoot par from uh, from six on. So I ended up shooting 78 after being seven over after the first five holes. So it's just a, like you always talk about the mental part of the uh, golf game, Jor. It's just kind of a mental reset, just telling yourself, you know what, if I keep going down this path and worrying about trying to get this where I'm at right now completely back, then you start making dumb shots and doing stuff probably out of, char- out of character to try to get yeah. back to the score you had in mind at the start. Whereas if you just try to limit the damage and just, uh, I, I don't know, just go from there and set a goal and, and take it hole by hole, I guess, trying to shoot that target score. Yeah. It's one of those things, too. It's like if the driver's not working, if you're hitting some bad shots on the first three or four holes, pick a club that you like, that you love, and hit one good shot and go from there. Like, quit. Mm-hmm. Don't try to force things and try to get back to under par or something stupid like that. Take it one hole at a mm-hmm. time. Tons of golf. And just hit a club that you really love and just hit a few good shots, and then you kind of get your rhythm back. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, so did you change anything in your swing or are you just, no? Honestly, I, what, what I was on not the 6T, like what did you too do? much into it. Well, no, nothing. I just, I was, finally we golfed it with me, James, Jaron, and uh, Sparrow. We've been talking about playing this match for like, I don't know, five years. We didn't play a match, but we just played a whole bunch of money games. And we got to the first tee and we were like dead into the wind, cross left to right. And I thought I hit a good shot. And we got up there and I couldn't find my ball. So I was pissed right off, like, rightfully. So. I mean, I thought I hit a good shot. I, I did hit it good, and it was just gone. So then that, that carried into number two and number three. Yeah. And then finally at number six, I was like, okay, like, you can either keep hacking around and not enjoy this round with your buddies or set a target score and try to shoot that the rest of the way. Yeah. And basically that's what happened, and it, it resulted in a better score. Because realistically, as a weekend golfer, you're not going to start plus six and then shoot minus five on the next 15 holes, like realistically. Right. So just hit a few good shots and get back in the rhythm. Start with mm-hmm. that. Yeah. And be reasonable with your target, I would say. Mm-hmm. All right, Reggie. Well, that's uh, Reggie's Stroke Saver has been uh, one of the more popular segments for sure on the podcast so far. Um, what's your plans for the winter months when you don't have rounds to refresh your brain? Are you going to? Do some online research, or what? Are you, what's your plan? I've been studying quite not. I shouldn't say studying, but I've been uh, I've been following lots of accounts on Twitter just to try to find more knowledge. I think the thing that I struggle with the most in the stroke savers is I want to make them like you said for the weekend golfers. They're not going to reinvent the wheel, but like I just, it's just something I guess. Like you said before, when we first started talking about. Um, posting stuff on Twitter and stuff like that before this podcast was even a thing is just to lots of the things I know how to do them, but I don't realize that it's, it's come from years of practice that I know that. And it's not just common knowledge to every golfer. Yeah. So I, I, it's, it's tough to like, I try to, I actually worry about it a lot more now that we have this stupid podcast during the round hey. trying to, no, but trying to come up with ways <laughs> that I could, share stuff with people and it, it's it is kind of tough i don't know just yeah tough. you're probably more uh conscious about it which can be helpful and i guess hurtful in other ways too because you start mm-hmm. thinking about that instead of just staying in to where you are but at the same time you you notice you might be more conscious of 
maybe what works and what doesn't work for you. And you can mm-hmm. kind of go from that. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Okay. Well, stay tuned on that as we approach the winter months here in Manitoba. Hey, don't say that though. We honestly still probably have like a month and a half of golf. Well, like you know weekends. what? We thought that last year too. And then all of a sudden it's snow. Uh, it was the worst fall in history and we got in like one or two rounds of fall golf. So not happening. I guess the point of the moral story would be just enjoy every hole you have for the rest of the year. Yeah, true enough. Right. What do you got? You so said my, uh, let's hear it. No, it's not going to be very long. I shouldn't say that. It's, uh, it's actually a book. Drums inspired me uh, last week with his recommendation. So I got a book here. It's kind of a book slot uh, and an author and kind of just like, a, I don't know, mindset sort or not, but the book is Stillness is the Key uh, by Ryan Holiday. And I'm actually going to read you guys a little segment of the book here in a second. But uh, Ryan Holiday is, uh, he's an author. He has, he has a few really good books that I've enjoyed over the years. One was Ego is the Enemy. And another one is Obstacle is the Way. And then he has a 365 days of stoicism book. So every day it's like one of those calendars where it has a quote in it. It just has like a stoicism quote, which he kind of ties into real life English because stoicism dates way back. It's basically a mindset uh, where you don't get too high or too low on anything. It's just you kind of just learn to accept things as they come. So the, I'll just try to keep this as fast as I can here. Um, but this is about a lotus flower, uh, which is a powerful symbol in Buddhism. So it says, although it rises out of the mud of a pond or river, it doesn't reach up towering into the sky. It floats freely on top of the water. Uh, and in a way, it, the lotus also embodies the principle of letting go. It's beautiful and pure, but also attainable and lowly. So I guess he says the balances that you want to strike is without aiming too high, but still getting to the kind of point where you want to be. So if we aim for the trophy in life, be it recognition of wealth or power, we'll miss the target. If we aim too intensely for the target, we will neglect the process and the art required to hit it. What we should be doing is practicing. What we should be doing is pushing away that willful will. So there's a little bit more, but the point of it is if you focus too much on either the end goal, <clears throat> oh, excuse me. If you focus either too much on the end goal or set an unrealistic target, you kind of forget everything in between, which is the process. And a lot of golfers talk about this, right? The process, the practice you kind of skip that part and just focus too much on the end goal. Whereas if you let the the practice and the process, it kind of takes care of itself. So um, I would say I've learned a lot through these books, uh, through the stoicism stuff, and it, it helps a ton on the golf course. Uh, Rory McIlroy talked about this book actually a little while ago. So if you're into that kind of stuff, I don't know. Have you guys heard of stoicism before at all? I haven't, no. Nope. Only on that one uh, documentary on Rory when we were watching at the cabin that day, but yeah, so it's it's just a different way of looking at things and and going about things, and and I kind of want to eventually, whether it's through this podcast or something else, is get some of these quotes and tie it into directly into golf, um, kind of like he does in that book, but 
instead of into normal life tied into the golf part of it. So a little bit deep there, I think, but if you guys are having any interest in, um, just the different mindset of stuff, it's, it's, uh, he is some awesome bucks. So that's that. Yeah, that sounds great. I like it. Still, this is the key, Ryan Holiday. Now I just have to learn how to read and I can uh, start that book. They got audio versions? <laughs> I was pretty nervous there reading. I don't know why. Like, I'm reading in front of you guys right now, but. Do you remember how nerve wracking that was as a kid? Having to read out loud in class. Kid. Yeah. What do you mean? I had to do that in my insurance course and I was losing my mind at 26. <laughs> I yeah. hate talking in front of people. Me too. It just it seems to, like you're going too slow and then you try to speed up. Yeah, and then or, you start rambling. Yeah, it, it's tough. But uh, I hate it. Yeah, I, I thought that I thought that that, was, that lotus flower was pretty cool, a cool symbol. Yeah, that of, is uh, cool. Kind of what you want to get to, uh, whether it be life or in golf. Um, so I guess that brings us into the next part of our segment too, which is the questions. If drums follows up that thing that you just had with a question like last week, this podcast is all over the map. <laughs> <laughs> what mine's, a question. Mine's a little more tame this week. Let's hear it. Um, what's your favorite concert that you've ever been to? Maybe not like the best, but just your favorite. Mine would be... Um... I feel like, I don't know if we talked about this before, but I feel like um, Nickelback was mine. Nickelback and Brandon at the Keystone Center. This was like 2000, maybe 1999. I don't know, sometime around there. But I was like 16 years old, Nickelback. (laughs) You were 16 in 1999. I didn't realize you were born Uh, in 83. Yeah, no, it was like old. So I guess not too far off there. It would have been a couple of years later, but it would have been like old. Um, yeah, Keystone Center. There was a bunch of fireworks and pyrotechnics, and Nickelback was rocking them. And then all of a sudden, oh, yeah. they became uncool. But everybody, no, I, uncool. I think, still listened to them uh, when they were by themselves or with their buddies. And they're kind of making a resurgence. I saw that they had a new song called, uh, well, it's old song, I guess. Devil went down to Georgia, but. It's kind of like a very fast-paced version of that Nickelback style. So, check didn't that make out one called Six Feet Apart. I don't know. Hey, did they probably they probably made one about wearing masks too. That'll be the next country song. Um, <laughs> Luke Combs has one of those. Well, I know, but I'm saying the next one will be about masks. Oh yeah, true. Taking your mask off at the end of the day. <laughs> Kicking your boots up, taking Kicking your boots. mask off. Let's go. I thought you were done with this COVID talk. <laughs> I know. And I think uh, my, well, I know what my answer was. Uh, Garth Brooks in uh, Regina last year had pretty close to front row seats. And that guy is a magician. He was incredible. So Garth Brooks is unreal. Chris Gaines? Chris Gaines. Perfect. Remember that <laughs> bullshit? Yeah. We do. We watched the documentary on it at the cabin one night because Dad didn't believe that uh, that was a real thing. Oh, really? And then five and then five minutes into it, he's like, "Ah, this is stupid. Turn this bullshit off." <laughs> I'm like, okay, well, this is what we were talking about, and it's we're watching it now. So that's how she goes. But 
Chris Gaines, yeah, there's a, about a half hour documentary on Netflix on it, and it's just total weirdness. Dad wasn't wrong, but it was pretty weird. I'll pass on that. One. What was what was yours, Trummy? Uh, I think it was probably o ten ish. Uh, Winnipeg at the stadium for Bon Jovi and Kid Rock. Gonna be sick. It's kind of an odd pairing, but uh, no, that was sick. And it was the second time that I seen Bon Jovi, which is weird. But uh, I think Why we just went with a few buddies, huh? Why weird? He's unreal. I think it was like within like a year or something that he was there twice. Well, he was at the MTS Center when I was with you. Yeah. But yeah, he's awesome. So that's mine, Reggie. Um, the most embarrassing golf shot you've ever hit. Um, mine would be most embarrassing golf shot. I've hit a lot of those actually. Um, I don't know. Actually, do you, does Mike V listen to the show? Yeah. He oh, hit maybe. a shot. I'll tell him to. He hit a shot at the Tamarack there on uh, Friday. And uh, first tee at the Tamarack, Friday matches. And he hit uh, <laughs> he hit a three-wood or something. And it honestly went about two feet. So <laughs> <laughs> he topped it. It went two feet. It was still in the tee box. And then so I don't know if somebody else, his opponent hit after him. So, of course, the guy's calling them up to the tee. And then so he hit. And then uh, the guy who's calling the guys up called Mike up again. To, it is, uh, no way. <laughs> <laughs> so, then, sorry, hey, Mike, for uh, for going there. But that's just kind of what came to my mind. Hey, Mike V had a week. He said in, he did. He said in one match he shot 73. So, that's impressive. He played some unreal golf. He beat the wheels off a lot of guys that week. But yeah, that wasn't obviously. I think obviously that, that was just a. Yeah. Uh, wasn't his finest moment. The nerves on the first tee at the Tamarack are crazy. Yeah. And I think that, that was just kind of a sign of – that was set the tone for his day. I think he, he didn't have a very good match after that, and you can't really blame the guy. <laughs> uh, drums, Trump. can you think of one off the hop? My, mine's not actually a shot, but it's definitely the most embarrassed I've ever been at a golf course. Um, so I was probably – I think it was probably 15, 16. Uh, I went out actually with uh, – Cockrell's um, coach, Derek D.I., he used to take a bunch of guys um, in early March and go on kind of a, a golf trip and and um, and do some teaching and stuff. And me and Jordy went uh, out to BC one time with him at that Morningstar golf course that you were talking about out there. All right. And then another time I went to, uh, to Texas with him. I can't remember which trip it was on, but we were – we were all lined up on the driving range and he was getting us to, he was individually bringing everybody up and everybody was doing this drill where he gave you his iron and you were supposed to throw it. So it would be like at your release, directing it towards the target, throw the club at the target. So you're literally just tossing his iron out into the driving range. And I'm nervous as all hell. I'm by far the worst golfer there, but whatever. And uh, so I step up there. He hands me this iron and I'm like shaking. I'm sweating. Everything's going on. And I pull hook this club that I tossed and it goes flying left, bounces off the range picker, 
and shatters. And I'm, I hit the deck. Like I wanted to faint. I wanted to die. I wanted to bury myself in the ground. And he's like, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. It's all good. He's like, here, take another club and do it again. I'm like, DI, I'm not doing this. I just shattered one of your irons. We're not, <laughs> we're not doing this again. He's like, well, you're not going to do it again. I'm like, oh, okay. Sure as shit. Pull hook this one too. Exact same thing. Lands in the middle of the tractor, shattered it in half. And I literally just about walked, walked off the course and hopped on a plane because I was so embarrassed. My face was red. I was, it, was a, it was a gong show. So that's definitely my most embarrassing moment on a, on a golf course. He's come a long way from, from coaching that. Yeah. <laughs> to coaching guys in the piece. <laughs> Were they grappling shafts around that round they snapped? Like I literally chucked them as well, hard as I could at a tractor. Yeah, he's come a long ways. <laughs> um, I guess quickly before we go, because um, I kind of just threw Mike V under the bus there, so I'll answer myself too because I've had a I've had a lot of embarrassing shots, but the one uh, that came to mind the last minute or so was at Rossman Lake on hole three, which is about a sixty five yard par three and we were there for the Cody McLeod um, annual tournament there so there's eight guys it was the first tee we started on this hole hole number three uh, eight guys and uh, so I was first up for the team and it's a pitching where a sand wedge 56 degree wedge half wedge and uh, so obviously you want to be within a couple feet for a scramble and I shanked it straight left uh, right into the bush and so everybody just kind of burst out laughing and it kind of, it kind of relieved all attention. Rigo talked about it last week with the hole in one, um, but it just kind of eased it, put everybody in a good mood and you know, you're not going to hit a worse shot than that. So it just kind of set the tone for the day. And we ended up shooting 18 under that day, which I think, uh, is that good? It's pretty good. Yeah. Won the tourney. Won a, I won a Nathan McLeod, Nathan, not Nathan McLeod, Nathan McKinnon jersey mm-hmm. that tournament. So. That seems to be climbing in value by the day. Yeah. Speaking of that, you should wait till you see the uh, the pass he just made to Rantanen to go three one right now. Unbelievable. Really? Yeah. That's uh, I got, healthy, I got the score on in the background. Cheers, um, so Reggie. Mine, go. What do you got? I'll just touch on it quick. Um, I talked about Brandon Todd how he had the full swing yips. Uh, as you guys know, I went through that for about two years. Um, Finally taught myself a swing good enough just to get around the course. Um, didn't really put myself in too many bad situations where the pressure would really mount all that much because I didn't have really a swing that I could trust. I, I kind of just put something together just based on strictly feel. Uh, as Landon Cameron said on a, on a previous podcast, I took a three-quarter swing, maybe less, just to – I was scared to take the club back, whatever. So – here we are. We're playing the cash tournament in Gilbert. Um, pretty big cash tournament. There's lots of money on the line. So all the skins didn't go. There's no skins won. So when there's no skins won in one of those tournaments, the cash tournaments, um, you have a shoot-off from 100 yards. And all four guys go on your team. And closest to, like the closest teams, one, two, I think, one, two, three, get paid skins. So there, picture this. There's like 200 people standing around number nine tee box at Gilbert. Uh, it's my turn to go. As I said, I had the swing yips for a 
couple of years. I hadn't really had pressure like this when everybody's watching. Uh, I stepped up, did what I thought was my new golf swing right off the hosel. Didn't even make it. Everybody knows where the, the tee box on number nine is at Gilbert. I didn't even make it across any of the river. I shanked it so bad. I missed, I was short of the river left into the parking lot with a thousand cars in there. I don't know if I hit a car. I don't remember. I blacked out. I was so embarrassed. A thousand cars. My buddy, uh, Teddy Fox, uh, chucked a dart. We got some cash anyways. How are you, Teddy? Um, but he came through. I did not. I, I shanked it. And honestly, that was, I, I want to say first Your week of September, point. the tournament was. I honestly took my clubs home, put them in the basement, and I never golfed again that year. That was it. That, I ended on a shank. Pulled the plug. Yeah, that was it. I was going to ask enough. you how you got rid of the I didn't. Ball I swing. Yep. Took, took six months off. How did I get rid of it? Yeah, you didn't uh, uh, read the best ball striker alive or something like that? No, I just realized it was a game and just started going back to natural. I'll get into it one day why, why I went through the full swing yips, but we'll, uh, that's, that's for another podcast. Yeah, we got a long winter to fill here. We got to get some mm-hmm. fresh ideas on what we could be talking about through the winter. Yep. Uh, my question today is non-golf related either. It's... uh. What I think I asked, uh, no, maybe not, but anyways, what's the best investment or best purchase, I guess, um, under a hundred dollars that you've made in the last little while? Just in general? Yeah. Just something that's kind of, uh, either improved your life or made your life better, easier, funner. Um, I don't know. Could be a bottle of whiskey too. Oof. Oof. Um, Are you guys in another pretzel like uh, Clayton Carefoot put you in? I'm kind of stumped. I'm running. I'm running prices through my mind and trying to think of. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying okay, to go go fifty to two hundred bucks then. Drums, you yeah. bought a new mic. That's I bought a new up. mic, so yeah. Hopefully, hopefully it sounds good and is working. Jeez, I'm like. St- completely stumped right now this is um, going to make the editing job pretty hard if we have to remove one minute of silence here boys i haven't uh, i haven't bought anything <laughs> i'll tell you yeah. you didn't buy condoms either no definitely didn't buy condoms <laughs> uh, man i hey, while well, you guys think about this i'll tell a funny story about drums's question last week so you guys get thinking on it Oh, um, Colton Easton texted me and said uh, he, he listens to the pod and he said that the first 15 minutes that his uh, wife and uh, expecting wife listened to was the question that drums asked so she's like what the what the hell is it what are these guys talking about and Colton's like yeah it's not usually like this but they <laughs> might mix in a few dirty things here and there who knows our mom's listening still but yeah mine too. she's pretty good with it I honestly can't think of anything that I've bought that's relatable. Okay, I'll say. I'll say. Mine Mine goes back to golf because everything revolves around golf. Okay. Uh, I had said that – so I told the story on here that I, I lost my A wedge 
uh, while we were in, uh, not anyway, sorry, my 54 when we were at Hecla. Yeah. So I had said the day before, and I, and I said before that, that I wanted all my clubs to be black and that two clubs in my bag were uh, chrome or uh, gray, and it drove me nuts. So I actually threw that club in Hecla, the 54, and then I said after I lost that that I wanted to get a 50-degree to replace the silver A-wedge that I had and a 54, both black. And literally, not exaggerating, the next day, Dave Sanaka texts me and said he's got two left-handed, a 54 and a 50-degree that are black in color for sale for 200 bucks. So that would be my top $200 purchase in the last little while. And I actually, there are two Volkies and they are nasty. Wait a sec. He texted you or you texted him asking for wedges? I texted him asking for wedges before when I lost it. I asked him if he had a 54. Told someone that I wanted to get a 50 and a 54. And then he texted back with two left-handed black ones. What? Drums, are you going to pass here, or what are you doing? I think I got to pass. Other than the mic, hopefully that improves my life, I guess. I don't know. What'd that cost you? Uh, it was 80 bucks. Actually, you know what, Drums? I'm going to answer on your behalf, because you uh, bought the Zoom Premium. Oh, boom. And that's it's actually a been a lifesaver for us, yeah. um, mm-hmm. because for the first eight episodes, and beyond that, for our practice episodes that we were working on, we had to stop every 40 minutes and drums would have to send us another invitation via email. So absolute nightmare. There you go, yeah. Drums. Yeah. Nightmare over. There it is. What's yours, George? Uh, mine, mine would be this. Uh, I bought a few things on Amazon the only time over this quarantine that I did. Um, and it was to get this mic too. So of course, Amazon tricked me into getting a few add-ons, but uh, this is one of them. Rocketbook. I think that, uh, some of you people, you people, I don't even know. I don't think that's racist. Or what do you mean, you people? Some of you people might have seen this before, but it's uh, a notepad that uh, you can write and re- erase on. And it's got a code there, so it scans into the app and it can uh, read all your words. So if you need to find words, if you looked around my office right now, there's about a thousand pieces of paper and it's impossible to kind of keep track of everything. So I've been going through this. You just wipe it off with some water and a cloth after you're done. Uh, it's about 50 bucks. It's a full-size notepad. And it's been a lifesaver for me. I can just kind of take it everywhere, and there's not loose papers around here anymore. And it's uh, and then you don't have to throw anything out. You just kind of scan it into the app, and uh, that's that rocket book. Maybe 15. I'll put a link in our uh, 50 bucks, five zero. So that's pretty sweet. You're- we'll put an app. Sorry, go ahead, Rio. Your jersey just went up in value a little more. Did it? Uh, it I don't really want to sell it, though. The great Nate Discord. Does that book, like, does it put it in, like, a PDF file? Or is it, like, a picture of your writing, basically? Well, it would, it would have to be a PDF because it scans for the your words. Oh, that's pretty So, you sweet. know how it has, like, that OCR on the PDF things? It scans your words? It scans your writing for your for words? Yeah. Wow. That's sick. That is deadly. I'm going to buy one. So, well, before you buy one, I'm going to try to put a link in our YouTube channel for, uh, to hook that up. So we'll get a 4% kickback on that. Uh, I was just learning about how to do that last night. Um, 
<laughs> and that yeah that kind of ties into the lotus the lotus flower thing which was uh we have this youtube channel now and we kind of have these high uh expectations of it and what we want to do but uh i think that we just need to focus on learning a few things in youtube and and uh just taking some time to get some good content on there so if you have a chance i don't know if you're into watching youtube videos or not um but check out our youtube channel we're going to try to put all our podcasts on there we're going to try to put uh some live some live video of reggie stroke savers on there just kind of with the audio in the background oh, and uh you already for, we already signed you up for it so first really, i heard of that uh no, it's not I wasn't really paying uh, attention before. I didn't realize so we anyways, doing that. Anyways, we're going to keep uh, keep that growing, hopefully, and the process of it is going to be challenging, I'm sure, on, on all of us. So, um, But if you're, if you're into golf content and, and uh, hopefully Rio shows up to Rossman Lake, so we're going to do a little bit of that this weekend and throw her on there. Um, but, yeah, check out our YouTube channel. Uh, it's just King Golf, and then you can kind of navigate through there. There's only two videos on there right now, I think, us three have been the only ones who've watched them. Um, but make sure to subscribe. And, and the more people are subscribing and liking, the more videos we'll, we'll put out. So that's that. Hey, one, one, one last shout-out before we uh, head out here. We Aaron already had the shout-out segment. Aaron Cockerell is buzzing. Yeah, uh, He is up true. to 578 in the world. Um, that's incredible. Uh at the end of 20, 2019, he was at 750. So factor that into six tournaments, I believe, that he's played in this calendar year, maybe maybe a few more. But he is buzzing right now. And he uh, informed me today that he just purchased a house in Winnipeg, and he's he's coming home to uh, get settled into there for a couple weeks. So oh, congrats, nice. buddy. You've earned a little it. holiday. Congrats. Yeah. So that kind of wraps it up for this week, boys. Um as we said, continue to follow us with the podcast. Uh, subscribe, rate, all that fun stuff. Uh, you keep listening. We'll keep pumping these out. Check out the right. YouTube channel, like we said. Um, we'll sign off for, for this week. Drums, do we week. have a, sorry, do we have an update on lessons on? I like updating people on this just to. It'll be uh, easy to report our YouTube views because it's three right now, so. Keep that low. <laughs> I thought you said there's more. Yeah, I think there's a little bit more. So total listens were just over thirteen. Oh, nice. Yeah, thirteen hundred. Oh, I thought you meant thirteen. Thirteen oh, total. Yeah. It's not and this is episode ten, so just a couple of nap. <laughs> Thanks to everybody for for listening and for asking questions and stuff. Uh, we're really enjoying this, and uh, like Trump said, we hope to keep doing them. All right. Peace out, boys. Love you. Take care, boys.